Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Hey everybody, welcome to our series finale of our Church Matters series. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope that this series, which is all about why the church matters to God and why it should matter to you, has been special. If you've missed the first two uh, uh, parts of this series, you can go back and check it out anytime online. Today's going to be a great day to jump in, to listen, to learn, as we talk about why you matter to the church. Man, it's so great to be having this conversation together. And the reason we're having this discussion is to encourage you to consider joining the church. If not Branch Life Church, some other church like it that's gospel-centered, man, that loves the mission of God, loves the Word of God, and loves serving people the way God has designed us uh, and gifted us to do that. So today we're going to dive into this conversation. But in just a few moments after a worship song, we are going to pause and have a moment of communion together. We want to invite you to gather the elements, uh, some, some sort of bread and something to drink, and bring them together as your family to quiet your spirit as we lead in this, this church uh, sacred ordinance of communion, gathering around the table together. We were so excited to do that in just a few moments, so go grab that if you need to. Now, if you're tracking with us in real time, next week is a special week at Branch Life Church. It's September 12th, and we are having our grand opening of our very first worship center. We are so excited that God has led us to this time and this place, and that we can gather as a church here and do the work that God would have us to do in this region. So we are celebrating, and you're invited to join us. Yes, it'll be available online, uh, but you can also, if you can, choose to come in person at 9 a.m., or 10.30. Thank you for participating. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. All of those things have led to this moment, and we're very excited to see what's next. Also starting next week is a brand new series that we're calling Stories for Skeptics. Do you have questions about faith? Are you skeptical about everything that you hear or read in the Bible? Well, Jesus tells stories. A lot of them are parables. Some of them are true stories to skeptics to help us answer those questions. That'll be kicking off next week too as we jump into this brand new series, celebrate our brand new worship center, and continue to see what God has in store for all of us. All right guys, this is the time that we're going to enter into communion together. So if you have the elements, the bread and the drink, go ahead and grab those, collect them up to you, and then let's turn our attention to the seriousness of this moment. Man, communion is something that God has asked us to do together as a church, and it's something that's unique to the church. And it's a time in 1 Corinthians that's described as a time of self-examination. We ask God to search our hearts and to see if there's any way we've fallen short, anything that we've chosen to do that would be sinful and wrong that we need to ask forgiveness for. And we ask God to forgive us of those things, whatever it might be. It's also a time of remembrance where we remember that Jesus died on the cross for us, his body was broken and his blood was spilt. And that sacrifice for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that was for you and that was for me. His body was broken for you. His blood was spilt 
for you. So we remember that moment. And then it's a moment of proclamation. We declare his death until he comes. And by doing this together, we proclaim. And so we're going to just travel through those three things together. In this first moment, we want to have some time of self-examination. So I'm going to ask you quietly, wherever you are, just to pause, maybe even pause the video, and have a moment where you pray, where you simply ask God and you confess your sins. And, and anything that he brings to your mind, anything that you, that you know about that has, that has been contrary to his word, man, just ask for forgiveness for that. Maybe you've lost your temper this week. Maybe you've uh, said some unkind things. Maybe you haven't trusted God like you should. Maybe there's been laziness that has crept in. or You've disobeyed your parents. Whatever it might be, all of those things are nailed to the cross and he's given us forgiveness, but we want to ask forgiveness of those things and ask God to help us to stay far away from them in the future. We're going to have a time of quiet confession and then we'll go right into the elements where we will remember his broken body and his spilt blood. And then a time of proclamation, we'll sing a song together here with me and then the worship team will sing a, a, a declaration of Jesus as king and that'll conclude our, our communion time together. So let's bow together, and I'll lead you in a, in a prayer of confession and give you some quiet moments uh, just between you and God, even in this time. And again, if you need more time, just pause the video and uh, continue in prayer and push play when you're ready to focus in. If you're distracted, if there's a lot going on, I'd recommend that you just not participate. The Bible does give us a warning that this should not be done lightly. So let's enter into this time of communion together with this prayer, with heads bowed and eyes closed. God, man, we thank you for dying for us and making a way for our sins to be forgiven, to be separated as far as the east is from the west. And I, of, of all people, am a sinful person. I fall short every day uh, of, of what you've designed my life to be. God, I've missed the mark. I choose sin. I, I lose control. And God, I pray uh, that you would bring to my mind in these moments the things that I need to confess before you. Search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. And Lord, for those that are participating at home right now, that you would do the same for them. Help us to be able to know what we need to confess and help us to uh, seek forgiveness for those things and strengthen the future from your spirit to never revisit those things again. So in the quietness of this moment, God, we confess our sins to you. So take the next few moments to quietly confess before the Lord. God, whatever it is that I've done, and I've tried to name them by name. Lord, forgive me. Help me to be cleansed from all unrighteousness and to go after godliness and pursue you with everything that I am. Help me to be a better father. Help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better pastor in the power of your spirit, a better neighbor and a better friend. God, I thank you for the forgiveness that you give us at the cross. And Lord, as we go from this time of confession to remembrance. We remember your broken body that was spilt for us, your broken body that was broken for us, your blood that was spilt for us. We participate in taking these elements in remembrance of that time and these, these symbols of that day 
God are powerful. In, second, in First Corinthians chapter eleven, as you listen to what, as you listen, as I read this out loud, go ahead and grab the bread or the cracker that you have. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse seventeen. But in following instructions, uh, he said this: When you come together as a church, in verse eighteen, there are I hear there are divisions among you. But there must not be factions among you. When you come together, it's, it, 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 it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For eating, each one goes to his own meal, and one goes hungry, and the other gets drunk. What do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. In verse 23, for I received from the Lord what also I delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and eat the bread. Continuing on in verse 25, he says, Then in the same way he also took the cup. Let's take the cup together. He said to his disciples around that table, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and drink the cup. For as oft as you eat this bread... And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you know this, let's proclaim together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain. The blood of Jesus for my pardon, for my pardon, this I see nothing but the blood of Jesus for my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hey guys, welcome to our series finale of Why the Church Matters. The church matters to God and it should matter to you. And today we're talking about why membership and leaders matter. It's an exciting conversation and an important conversation. So important that we brought our entire pastoral team uh, in for an interview today. This is Alex Rope, our pastoral resident. We have Scott Greening, who runs uh, groups and systems, among other things at Branch Life. And our mentor extraordinaire, Pastor Bill Park. And uh, Alex is going to ask us some questions that are kind of whet your ap appetite for uh, this discussion about leaders and members. That makes a big difference in all of our lives. So, Alex, what questions do you got for us? Absolutely. So we're just going to get straight at it, right to the point. Is church membership even biblical? Church membership biblical? Yes, I would say it's, it's pretty clearly biblical. That being said, there's no verse in the Bible that says, Alex, thou shalt join obviously branch life church but um no it's it's a pretty clear idea the the new testament the the believers were obviously connected in a real organic way with a specific local congregation of church the book of acts talks about the numbers of believers being added to the church first corinthians talks about people being kicked out of a church in in a matter of church discipline and so how are you kicked out of something that you're you're not part of and there's more but I think it's pretty clear from scripture that that the idea of being a member being part of something is is part of what it means to be in the church I, I think so much so that we would say that Jesus wants every one of his kids connected to a church officially a part of a local church and at Branch Life, we, we actually say, we call it team members because you're not joining a club. You're a part of a team. My church, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We got something to do. We got a mission that we're on. So it's not sit and stew. It's like, let's move the ball down the field. So at Branch Life, we, we believe in membership and we love to call everybody team members. And so we're all team members when we join church, but there's, there's different roles in the church too. Uh, Pastor Bill, can you share with us about like deacons, elders, overseers, pastors, and uh, the importance of that? Uh, Alex, thanks for bringing those topics up. Uh, the word deacon is an interesting word in the scriptures. It just simply means servant, one who serves. Those other three terms are also interesting because they're descriptive of one role. Uh, you want to use the word elder, you want to use the word overseer, you want to use the word pastor. Uh, we have a specific definition of what and who a pastor does. Definition and qualifications. So there's, a, there's pretty strict descriptions for both the serving deacons and the leading elders, uh, bishops, and pastors. So big stuff in Scripture. All right, so let's get to the, the big question. Why should someone join Branch Life Church? Why should someone become a team member at Branch Life Church? Why should someone say, I'm all in with the church? Well, because of this amazingly good-looking pastoral team, yeah. Uh, no, like we said before, you should be a part of Branch Life Church if you want to be a part of God's plan A for your life and for the world. And we believe that Branch Life is set up the way God has asked his church to be set up. You know, it's not an institution. It's not just going through the motions. 
it's a church on mission. That was week one. Who loves the word of God. That was week two. Uh, where members and leaders matter. So you matter and, and what God is calling us to do matters. So if you're ready to like put your spiritual life into hyperdrive, join the church. That's God's plan. So that's, that's why, other than this amazingly good looking, that's why someone should become a member at Branch Life. Lots of other reasons too. Thank you, Alex. Thank you guys for sharing all that stuff. We're going to dive into this, so grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 today as we wrap up this series, uh, Church Matters. Hey, if you have your Bibles, grab them. We're going to jump to Ephesians chapter 4, and while you're turning there, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been a part of a team? Uh, team sports are, are one of these great experiences that you have a chance of growing up, and sometimes at some point for every athlete, they have a dream of going on to be a part of a pro sports team. They want to be in the Super Bowl someday. They want to play for the Stanley Cup or be in the World Series. I was a part of several teams, whether it was a Little League baseball teams or, or my high school basketball or soccer team. I enjoyed all those very much. My coaches didn't enjoy putting me in, uh, but they let me be a part of the team. I think one of the greatest teams of all time, and if you want to share your opinion with the person next to you, go ahead. What is the greatest team of all time? Well, obviously the answer is the Mighty Ducks. We've all seen the movie, right? The Mighty Ducks come out in the ice and they, they're uh, a group of misfits that have learned to ice skate together. And they have this one special play. You remember this play? It was kind of their championship trick play. It's called the Flying V. And as they're ice skating, it's a hockey team, as they're ice skating down the rink, the whole team forms a V with one player at the front and everybody else falling behind them, kind of like how the Canadian geese fly around. And then they, as a team, charge down uh, the, the ice and they plow into the defenders and they confuse the goalie and they, each team member plays its part and they take the shot and they win the game, right? And that's the moral of the story. What an incredible play. Now, what makes that flying V work? It's teamwork. There's a coach that came up with the play. They practiced it together. They all figured out their positions, and they got onto the court. They got onto the, the rink, and they accomplished their goal. Now, whether or not you believe the Mighty Ducks are real, still the principle of teamwork is real. I think about the Eagles, and I'm going to argue with this incredible team that won the Super Bowl a couple years back. Carson Wentz goes out with some injuries, and the second-string quarterback, Nick Foles, has to come in, and he's got to lead them through the playoffs. And they win game after game after game, and the underdogs rise to the top, and they're in the Super Bowl. And believe it or not, wow, the second-string quarterback leads them to a victory. That's incredible. This team that nobody thought had a chance came together, and everybody played their parts. From the coaches, to the assistant coaches, to the defense, to the kickers, to the quarterback. Even Carson Wentz, when he was injured, was helping call the plays. What a great team. Do you know that a lot of people aspire to be on the team, but they never actually make it onto the field? Just think about the Super Bowl. Millions and millions and millions of spectators and just a handful of actual players that are on the field getting the job done. Everybody else is just watching. Today, as we wrap up our series, we're going to talk about the importance of the team. That is the church. And the question is, are you on the field? Are you a part of the team? Or are you just in the stands watching? 
You see, God did not design the church to be a spectator sport. God designed the church to be an all-hands-on-deck team sport where we work together with one another to accomplish the goal, to win the prize, to get the ball in the hoop, the, the pigskin over the uprights, to get the, the ball down the field and into the goal. The church is described in the Bible as a body and as a family and as a community where we come together, each member unique but playing its part in serving one another. This is what God designed the church to be. And if you're going someplace on a weekend and you're spectating and you're just watching, you are missing the fullness of the game. To actually be a part of the team that God has designed you uniquely to be a part of. You see, that's what we've been talking about over the course of these last few weeks as we've talked about the church's matters. We believe that mission matters and is extremely important to the church. We believe that doctrine matters and truth matters. And so when when you evaluate the church, it's not about the music, it's not about the length of the service or the, the production on the weekend. It's all about the mission. It should all be all about the love of God's word. And lastly today, we're going to talk about membership and why it matters. The members matter. The players on the field matter. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. I'm going to give you three powerful observations that are going to show us why membership matters and what difference it makes in your life. This matters to God and it should matter to you. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says this, I therefore... As a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you've been called. With all humbleness and gentleness, with patience and with bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bonds of peace. So in this, in this verse, Paul, he's been in jail. He's writing to the church. He's encouraging them. And he's saying, I am urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You have been drafted to a team when you've been saved by God. You have been in the first round pick, and God says, I want you on my team. I want you on my field. I have a part for you to play. You are uniquely talented and gifted. Now, you're supposed to walk worthy of this calling. You're supposed to walk in a way that demonstrates the way that you've been created. This this master class in walking through life is given to you and played out in the context of the church. If you're going to walk in a manner that's worthy, how are you going to walk through this life? You're going to do that as a part of the church. And just imagine a life filled with humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in community, in love, maintaining unity in the spirit and in the bond of peace. What an incredible description. Now some of you think of the church, you don't think of humility and gentleness, you don't think of peace and unity. And if a church is divided, if a church is fighting amongst itself, if a church is angry, that's not the church that God has designed it to be. So we, we want to build this type of church at Branch Life Church. It goes on in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, he then says, there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Again, you've been drafted in. You've been drafted into this huge team. One Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. There's a design, 
There's a design to this team that you have been called to. In verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We just remembered that in communion, his gift of his death on the cross for us, the gift of eternal life and salvation, the gift of living this life more abundantly and being able to live in him forever and eternity. Therefore, it says from the book of Psalms, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So you've been called, you've been drafted onto a team. There is no scenario in the scriptures that if you are saved, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you are not supposed to be a part of his church. This is the design for our world. The plan A for our world is the church. God's plan A for your life is the church. He's called you to it. Every one of Jesus' disciples, every one of his followers gave their lives building the church of God. God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Go into all the world, make disciples. Remember, mission matters. So we see the entire New Testament being churches being built. We see books of the Bible being written to churches that are being planted all over the city. God is saying to you, if you're a believer in me, I've called you to be a part of a team. He called you to a team and then the Bible says, he left. He ascended into heaven. He's gone. He's out of here. Imagine his disciples after seeing Jesus raise again from the dead, gathering around him saying, all right, build your kingdom, do your stuff, be our king. And he went, no, I've got to go. And he started, he started his ascension to heaven. That's where he gives them the mission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. All right, now I'm leaving. You guys go. The church is in the business of going and in the business of making disciples, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, he's called you to go. And he wants you to be a part of this incredible thing. We say it here at Branch Life Church, pray first, then go. We want you to serve. We want you to give. Like that's the part of being the church is being active. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. Jesus took with him the, the, the bonds of sin and Satan and death. These things that were holding us captive, Jesus took with him. He took those captives and he took them away from us. We in Christ now are free from sin. We're free from Satan. We're free from death. We have this incredible freedom that comes in Christ. The truth has set us free. And he has given gifts to men. You, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been given a gift. And what Ephesians chapter 4 is going to go on to say, and we're going to build three observations off of this, is going to go on to tell us about this gift. What is the gift that he gave to men? Well, we know from reading our scriptures that he sends the, sends the Holy Spirit back to be with us. I'll never leave you or forsake you. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We know from reading 1 Corinthians and other passages, including this one in Ephesians, that at the moment of salvation, he gives you spiritual gifts. He gives you talents and abilities that come from God. And we as a church want to encourage and nurture these gifts. We want to multiply these gifts, whether it's hospitality or generosity, whether it's acts of kindness or helps. 
He, whether it's discernment or teaching uh, or, uh, or faith or preaching or leadership, these gifts come from the Holy Spirit. And every single one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given these gifts. But in this specific context, he's talking about a very special gift that he left for all of us together. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, and he gave. All right, so here's the gift. Here's what he's given you. Here's what he's given me. It's precious. He gave the apostles. He gave us the prophets. He gave us the evangelists. He gave us shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, the church. What did Jesus give? In his gifting, he gave us leaders in the church to equip the church, to build up the church so we could have the church. Here's three incredible observations that come from this passage that I think will encourage you today as we talk about these church matters and why membership matters and why leadership matters. First, the church is a gift. The church is a gift from God. Man, we don't want to guilt you into being a part of a church. You need to get to church more often. You need to behave. That's where good Christians go to church. No, no. You get to be a part of the church. This is a gift that God has given you and our world. So many people look at the church and they blame it for the evils of this world. There have been so many people that have said, if we didn't have religion, if we didn't have faith, if we didn't have all these belief systems, man, there'd be so much more peace in the world. And they blame the church, they blame Christianity, they blame Jesus, they blame God for wars and destruction, for hate and for terrorism. That's not the church, that's not the faith that God has designed us to have. That's a distortion of the faith. That's Satan coming in and attacking and trying to trick you and trying to cause you to hate something that God has given. That's amazing. And when you look truthfully at the kinds of churches that God says we're supposed to be, not events on Sunday, not buildings, not in, uh, uh, industrial processes or factories designed to get your money, institutions that are building their own kingdoms. No, when we're a church on mission, dedicated to the Word of God and equipped to help do the work of the ministry, that church is powerful and that church has been a gift to the world. Look at the impact of the church throughout history and you're going to see significant contributions to every area of life, whether it's artistic contributions, whether it's music, composition, some of the greatest music that's ever been written has come out of the church. The most popular song of all time is a church song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Whether it's in healthcare or, or whether it's in education, some of, some of our greatest institutions of education and higher learning have come from Christians. The hospital systems that are built up around the world, so many of them have been led, designed, and built for centuries now by Christians. Christians who love God and love their neighbor with all their heart, soul, and mind. These Christians, these people who are part of the church, who are playing on the field, who are in the game, are doing the work that God has called us to do so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. This is the gift. This is God's gift to this broken world is his church. Now, maybe you've been hurt by the church in the past. Maybe there's a very real story of some very real wrongs that have come to you. You've witnessed something that turned you off to the church. You felt pain and rejection that came from somebody in the church. 
you've been let down by a leader who was supposedly walking with God and fell away. And you say, how can that be a gift? Listen, God designed the church to be filled with imperfect people. Imperfect people make imperfect choices. And they do bad things. You do not want to be a part of a church full of perfect people. That's not the design. But God takes us in our flaws. He takes us in our sins. Understanding that people will make mistakes. And they will let you down. And there has to be consequences for bad behavior. The church should never cover up for bad behavior for mistakes. As a matter of fact, we should aggressively fight against that bad behavior. But, when we forgive one another, when we fight for unity and peace, we can move forward even, in imper- even surrounded by imperfect people into this amazing blessing that the church is. Think about all the things that the church has done, not only for this world, but for, the, for our communities and for one another. You see, when you're a part of a God-given church, you're a part of a family. You're a part of a community where we serve and we reach and we give in other ways. Branch Life Church has made it possible for us to minister to those 50 families that lost everything in the fire over these last years. That's the church in action. So much so that as we, as we marked the one-year anniversary, our county commissioners came and they stood on these grounds. And they stood up in front of a crowd of people and they said, listen, Branch Life Church is an example of what we want to be a part of, what we want in our community. We want to work together with the commu- faith community and the nonprofit community and the government community to come together and help people in a time of need. The church is a gift. Right now, there are people in our church that are actively pursuing helping a family in crisis. This crisis has, has overwhelmed this family and, and they've reached out and, and through our network of connections, we are working to the best of our ability to wrap our arms around this family in crisis in every way imaginable. Yes, we're praying for them, but also providing for their needs, also giving them uh, support with finances and with food and also trying to help them figure out how to take the next steps to share one another's burden. That's the gift that the church has. So we can have this natural tendency to run away from something that's caused us to be embarrassed or hurt or shameful. But God says, no, I want you to run towards the church because the church is a gift. Now the second observation that I want you to hear about this morning is simply this. Church leaders are a gift. If you remember back in in Ephesians chapter 4, he said he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, preachers. He gave these leaders of the church, and some roles have been there for a certain period of time, like the apostles were there to start the church, the prophets were there to get us the word of God. He's given us the evangelists to help spread the name of Jesus. He gives us shepherds to guide the flock today. He gives us preachers and teachers to help us, remember last week, know the doctrine that is so important. And these leaders that have been set up by God are designed to be a gift to the church and to your body. Jesus has said, I've I've given my authority to you through the scriptures of God to these leaders who are then designed, who are instituted, who are set up in a position to lead and to lead the church and to lead it well. 
Every single one of these organizations, that, these, these leaders, have been designed to be a part of the team, an integral part of a team, and these leaders matter. As you are deciding whether or not to be a part of a church, you should take into account the leaders that you are putting yourself under. Not just a good speaker, but someone who you can look at their life and emulate it, the Bible says. To be imitators of those that are imitating Christ. They need to be, have good character. They need to be qualified according to 1 Timothy and Titus. They need to be uh, in their lane of responsibilities. These leaders then are a part of guiding you and the church as they're directed by God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 13 tells us about those qualifications. And then 1 Timothy 5, 17 simply says this. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads over the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. God is saying, listen, there's this important work that needs to be done, and these leaders that I've given you, they're a gift. This is what we are talking about this morning, that leadership matters, and leaders matters, because then their job as leaders is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They've got to help you get the work that God has called you to get done. In the Bible, in the first office that's identified as a leadership office is this office of leader, pastor, and overseer. You can read more in Acts chapter 20 and in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28. But in 1 Peter chapter 5 and 1 and 2, these offices are described in anywhere in the Bible where you see the word elder or pastor or overseer and sometimes the word bishop you need to understand, as Pastor Bill told us in the interview, that these are all talking about different parts of the same office. And we might have different terms in our culture for the leaders of our churches, but realize that this role of pastor or this role of elder is one and the same. It's the same calling, it's the same qualifications, and it's the same responsibilities. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. So I exhort the elders... God uses that word in this passage, among you. As a fellow elder, shepherd the flock. That's the term pastor. That is among you, exercising oversight. That's the word overseer or bishop. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Jumping over to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it says then this. That's the instruction to the elders. This is the instructions to you, the members of the church. Obey your elders. And submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who are willing or will have to give an account. Do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would not be any advantage to you. So the elders are given us strict instructions from God. The members of the church are given strict instructions from God. And this, this is an incredible marriage in life and, and pursuit. Man, you get to, as a member of a church... Have elders who are pouring themselves over you, who are praying over you, who are teaching you into your life, giving you counsel and wisdom and guidance. These elders get to shepherd you and mentor you and walk with you as we walk through life together. You get to be a part of this incredible relationship. Elders, leaders are a blessing from God. The second office that comes up under leaders matter is the office of deacon in the book of acts they were having trouble as they were working through the 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 as they were equipping the saints for the work of the ministry 
And the numbers of disciples was growing so rapidly that the leaders were incredibly busy and they were starting to neglect the doctrine. They were starting to neglect the mission. And, and there was work that needed to be done, hands-on ministry work. And the Bible says that, this is, that they set up the office of deacon to accomplish this. You can read more in Acts 6, 1 through 7 and 1 Timothy 3 as it talks about the qualifications of deacons. But in Acts 1, it says, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the widows were being overlooked. And so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. So the Bible says that they decided to choose from themselves seven deacons who would do what? They would look after the widows. They would wait on tables. In other words, deacon, which literally means servants, the deacons would lead the service of the church. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, and seven other people, so that the word of God then spread, and the numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. When these deacons were chosen and they began serving, the, the elders led and the deacons served, the result was that there were more disciples, that more people got saved. It wasn't more bureaucracy. It wasn't more fighting amongst each other. It was working in tandem, one with another. You have the elders who are doing the equipping work. You have the deacons who are serving and helping others to serve, to take care of the physical needs. And the rest of the team coming on the field to do exactly what it is God called them to do, go and make disciples. And what happened is the numbers of disciples increased rapidly. I am so excited that we're at the point of our structure at Branch Life Church, as we've started planting this church, that we are getting ready to implement charter members and deacons. I'm so excited to be able to call uh, deacons, men and women, to serve God in incredible ways, to lead service, to lead service projects, and to carry the mantle farther to help us reach more disciples. As we set up these offices at Branch Life Church, we set up the office of elder, of pastor, of overseer, and we set up the office of deacon. Deacons are going to be asked to be ministry leaders. They're going to be serving in a lot of different ways under the authority of the oversight team. And we are so in need of deacons to be able to be set up who are qualified, full of the Holy Spirit, to lead ministries like a deacon of prayer. Man, to be able to lead a team that's constantly praying over the ministry, praying over the community, praying over for God's power in this world. I can't wait to see a deacon of prayer step up to own that ministry, to serve in that way, to continue building on this idea of prayer first so that people can be available to pray with one another after the services, so that people can uh, come, come uh, to Branch Life Church and to pray with a team member who has been organized and set forward by this deacon. I can't wait to be able to set up a deacon of community connection where we, we take these opportunities that come in week after week. Uh, often, just today, two people came over to our campus just looking to connect because of needs in the community. And then this deacon working together with the rest of the church, building a team to help us connect in our community and to meet and serve these people. Deacon of finance, a deacon of care where we care for one another, we care for families in need, 
in, in and around the deacon of the facility. Let's make, this, let's make this facility as great as it can possibly be. Let's use it for the power of God. Let's, let's build it up. Let's maintain it. Let's move forward. That can be someone's ministry. These deacons will help us serve and wait on tables and, and meet needs. And we're ready. We're ready for these partners to step into their role. I can't wait. Because what it means is the numbers of disciples will increase rapidly. Man. So what kind of church is Branch Life Church government-wise? It's a great question. In a couple of weeks, we're going to go over our constitution in detail. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. Whether it's September 14th or 15th, we'll let you know. And that'll start the process of our charter members, our core team members, becoming be able to apply to become charter members. And in that document, in that constitution, we've set out this, uh, th these layers of government. Number one, we're congregational ruled. We believe that the, the it's the responsibility of the congregation uh, to rule, to, to appoint people to lead and to make some decisions. And we see that example in the New Testament. But we are pastor or elder-led. Remember, it's all the same office. And so when the elders are identified and confirmed by the congregation... Our leaders are allowed to lead. They're allowed to cast vision and move us forward and make the decisions that the ministry needs to make on a daily basis and on a yearly basis. And we are deacons served. Our deacons will be servants who, who coordinate ministry that needs to be done and meet the needs in our church and within our community. We're excited that God has called us uh, to, to pattern our church in this way, that we believe it's uh, going to set us up for some victories in the future. And here's the final observation that I want to give you today as we close out the thought and close out our series. The strength of the church comes from the people in the church. The strength of the church comes from the people in the church. You are the strength of the church. You see, if we're a part of a church where we think that the, the officers, the pastors, the elders, and the deacons have to do all of it, and that we just sit there and spectate. We're not team members playing on the field. But God says that he's given this gift of leadership to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. Who does the work of the ministry? Who are the players on the field? Who are actively using their gifts and talents to accomplish the mission? It's you. You matter in the life of the church. And the, the health of the church is directly connected to you. The stronger our members, the more active we are in serving and loving and giving. The more we go out and to meet the needs, the more we love God and love our neighbor, the stronger the church will be. And so God says that Jesus ascended and he gave gifts. He gave you spiritual gifts to be used in the context of the church for the benefit of the world around us so that we can be that gift. He's given you spiritual gifts so that you can use them for his name. And he's given you spiritual leaders who will equip you in the work that he has you to do. The unique mission that's put on your life. So to flesh out this even more, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 127, he says there, are, there is one body, but it has many members. And those members are given gifts so that we can work together as one body with member, many members to get the mission done. The eye can't give up. The foot can't go its own direction. 
we move together, we are better together as one church when all the members are functioning in the way that they function. The strength of the church is spirit-empowered, pastorally equipped people. You will be more effective in loving your neighbor, in reaching people, and in living this life the way God has designed you to be when you're a part of the team, when you're on the field. You see, members matter. Here's what one pastor had to say about the members of the church. As opposed to the paid staff, he said, our people can do what we can't do. They can go where we can't go, and they can do the ministry that we can't do. There is so much more that you, member of the church, you team member can do than I could ever do. There's, there's unique opportunities, unique relationships that you have, unique abilities and unique talents that you bring to bear for the building of the church. If God has gifted me pastorally, I'm, I'm able to, by the grace of God, through the calling of God, focus on teaching, focus on prayer, focus on preaching. You have been given an equally important mission as a part of the body of Christ where you're empowered by the Spirit to do some incredible things that I would never be able to do. I can't reach your family member or your neighbors. I can't go to your places of employment every day. I can't wrap, put my arms around and love on the people that God has in your life like you can. You can do the things that we could never do. That's why you matter. That's why membership matters. And so we as a church are looking to always identify what am I spiritually empowered to do? How can we as a church come alongside of you to do the ministry that God is calling you to do? Did you know that 96% of pastors agree that their church is healthier through, through people-led initiatives, not through programs? You see, programs don't reach people. People reach people. And if you have an initiative, if you have a calling, if you have an opportunity, and you take the lead on that, man, that means we're a healthy church. So here at Branch Life Church, as, we've set, as we work to gather in groups, circles are better than rows. As we respond to the message and we do life together in these small groups, our dream is that that small group will identify a ministry opportunity, big or small, that you as a group can uniquely meet, that another group might not even know about. And if you can't handle that on your own, you might recruit some other groups to help you. And if that becomes a big project, then maybe the whole church comes all in. But we have groups all over our community serving in big and small ways, taking meals to family in needs, adopting a neighborhood school, a Title I school, uh, uh, coming alongside of uh, uh, food insecurity and donations, providing financially for one another, helping this, that single mom who's raising their kids. We are excited about the opportunities that you bring for ministry. And there is far more work to be done than we have leaders to do it. It takes all of us being on the field. Over these last few weeks, we've been talking about the church and its matters. We've been saying that the church matters to God and it should matter to you. And if you are ready to live the life that God has designed you to live, it must be connected to the church that God loves. There's no way around it. You can't love Jesus and not love his bride. And our world needs Jesus. Our world needs the hope that Jesus gives. 
Our, our world needs the love that Jesus provides. We need kindness. We need unity. We need to provide for one another. Our world is in desperate need of Jesus. How can we best get Jesus to this world? Through the gift of the church. We can do this together. And we are better together. The Bible, God's word, Jesus himself has designed the church to bring the good news to the world. And our, need, our world needs it more than ever. The question is, are you going to be a player on the field? Or are you going to be a spectator in the stands? We want to be a church where everybody is a team member playing on the field. I want you to pray about this and think about this as we look at one example of some members of a church who became passionate for the world around them that needs Jesus. Check this out. Five times a day in many regions, there's a call to prayer. It's not a call to prayer to Jesus. It's to another God. Several months ago, we got a call from a, one of our missionaries uh, who asked us if we would bring a band and a team of people to come over and uh, just worship Jesus in a place where the name of Jesus is not lifted up. Where people literally walk around their whole lives with no hope. Talking to our missionary host, he had this vision of renting a boat and uh, just having a night of worship. And we just sang worship song after worship song. And then uh, one of the last songs we sang was World Needs Jesus. Because we know our world needs Jesus. One of our young worship leaders had this seed idea of this song, World Needs Jesus. It was in the middle of summer and he was watching the news. And there was violence and chaos and division. And it seemed so chaotic to him that his simple prayer was, I know that my world needs Jesus. He sat down in his apartment and just started singing, and he sent me this voice memo of this song, and it was just like 20 seconds long. I knew right away that we had to finish it. When we started to sing that song, I just started to think of all the places in this world that desperately need Jesus but has never heard and how are they going to hear if no one's there to tell them? But missions is not our goal. Worship is the goal. Missions only exist because worship doesn't exist in some places. When the name of Jesus was spoken, people maybe didn't know the story or didn't never heard that name before. It was almost like something clicked inside their heart and their soul. That's the power of the name of Jesus. Man, pretty amazing. Just one person writing a song, people being willing to travel to another area, another community to be able to worship God in a place where it was dark and hopeless. That, that being a spon uh, 
spurring a revival that would be incredible. Our, our prayer is that God would use you and me in this time, in this generation, in this place to spread his name in this community, in the Northeast region, and around the world. And so we need team members on the field who are all in, who are praying this prayer that our world needs Jesus, that we would be able to see the need and that we would answer the call to meet the need. So here's the question as we wrap up this entire series today. Are you in? Are you in? Are you a part of the church? Are you ready to be a part of the team? Not are you just a spectator that shows up on Sundays. Not are you coming when it's convenient to you. But are you a, a, a member, a team member, signed up, registered, in with the church? A church that's on mission. A church that loves doctrine. A church that's led by its leaders. Are you ready to submit to the authority of the leaders and use your gifts and talents to be the flying V that this world needs and to be able to play the part that God has for you? The church matters to God and it should matter to you and we are better together. What I'm asking you to do is consider, to, consider becoming a part of Branch Life Church. I'm asking you to take your next step in whatever that would be. At Branch Life Church, you cannot become an official team member until you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You see, the Bible talks about people who are a part of the church must be born again. Not have faith, not do you know about God, not are you a part of religion, but have you had that moment where you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, we said last week that getting the gospel right matters. And if you, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, if you don't know for sure where you would go if you would die, today you can make sure. And if you're ready to be a part of this incredible gift that God has given the church, if you're ready to receive the gifts from God that he gives you at the moment of salvation, well then you simply need to come to this moment where you realize that you're a sinner, where you believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, and that you accept the free gift of salvation. If you haven't done that, you do that now. That's your next step. At Branch Life Church, you can't become a team member until you have been baptized as a believer. So have you taken that step of obedience? It's the first step we're told to take after salvation is the step to baptism where we publicly proclaim, I'm in, I'm following Jesus. And if you're not willing to take that step, then you're not on the field. You're not doing what God has called you to do. So we take, that, we take that story of your testimony of faith. We take that time that you've been baptized. And if you have not been baptized, that's your next step. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you have been baptized, then we're asking you to consider becoming a team member. Become a team member here at Branch Life Church. And on September 14th or 15th, we're going to talk to you about what that means. And then we're going to open the application process for you to go from either being an attender, a community member, a core team member, and stepping into the role of official charter member at Branch Life Church. The first members of this brand new church. We would love to have you take that step and invite others to do the same. So what's your step? Are you saved? If not, get saved today. Are you baptized? If not, sign up for baptism today. We'd love to celebrate baptisms next week at our, our grand opening celebration. And are you ready to become a team member? If you're ready to take any of these steps, simply write salvation. Today I decided to follow Jesus. I'm ready to get baptized or I want more information about being a team member at Branch Life Church. 
and we'll make sure that you get all of that information. We want to close together by praying this prayer and responding to Jesus. And maybe you today, you have to confess that you have not been in love with the church, that you have not been following the church, that you've not been active in reaching our world because you haven't been active in the gift of of the church that God has given us. During this song, as we sing this, this song, our prayer is that God would use us to reach our world that meets Jesus. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Let's pray this prayer together. streets are torn by chaos we will be our hands and feet when the darkness brings division may we be your light because we know Thank you.
Sing. 